Welcome to the Perry Ritchie Group Podcast, bringing our communities the latest in wealth strategies, ideas, and updates on the capital market to keep you informed and confident. Listen in on conversations with our advisors and industry leaders around the country who are changing the landscape of their businesses. This is the Perry Ritchie Group Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Perry Ritchie Group Podcast. My name is Andrew Boyles. And today in the studio, I have with me Josh Marson. Hey, Josh, how you doing? Hey, Andrew, I'm doing well. Good. So as of today, it is March 20th. And at the end of April, Josh and I are going to be presenting at the Southern Kentucky Financial Literacy Symposium that our team is hosting. And we're going to be doing a session on Investing 101. So we thought that for those that may not be able to attend symposium or wanted to share this information with a child or grandchild that we would put this in podcast form uh, so that you would have access to it. So uh, today, this is going to be part one of Investing 101. We'll do a follow-up episode, but there's a lot to, to unpack and, and investing, the investment world can be pretty intimidating and, and overwhelming if, if you let it be. But hopefully today we will distill that down into a couple of, of small, simple takeaways. Yeah. And I mean, we could, as you, as you said, we could, you could have a whole series on investing 101 because yes, they are basics. Uh, but those, those basics, there is uh, an enormous amount of what I would call breadth across it, you know, whether it be, you know, uh, different asset classes, different strategies of investing, the, the world can be complicated. And I say can be in investing, uh, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. Once you have the fundamentals, then you can build build from there. But you got to have the fundamentals first. So today we will be going over those fundamentals. So just to be clear, we're not going to get into really more financial planning related topics or strategies. Uh, it, it's going to be very basic from an investment standpoint. So to get us started, just for us to better understand just investing, Josh, can you talk through the difference between saving and investing? Yeah. So when, when I think about investing, I think about taking, uh, we'll call it some resource and delaying it or utilizing it for a future return of, of turning one into two. Now that can Mm -hmm. be done many different ways, but it's delaying instant gratification now for whatever that gratification may be at some point in the future, right? Yeah. With with an investing 101 course, anytime you're going back to the basics, I always like to go back to to the dictionary, right? When you go when you were in grade school and you had vocab test, you know, what's the definition of investing? And and just like you said, uh, the Merriam Webster dictionary defines investing as committing money or a resource resource to earn a financial re- return and to make for a future use or benefit, right? So delay yeah, yeah. gratification. And as far as, as savings goes, and this can, there can be a lot of different thoughts or definitions on savings, but savings are, in my eyes, typically uh, something that is not going to uh, have the, the long-term aspect involved. Uh you know, savings could be connected to, well, I'm saving for my 401k. Well, that's, that's long-term investing. But when I think about savings, it's more for, i.e. emergency funds, uh, shorter term returns, but 
Yeah, it can go both ways. Savings account. Yeah, absolutely. Keeping those resources liquid and accessible so that if you need it, you don't have to sell some investment or sell some security that could be at a loss and you know that it's going to be there. And we typically would say, uh, as, as certified financial planners, typically about 24 months, mm-hmm. two years, that's that's somewhat of a moving target. But generally, you know you're going to need money for a certain expense in the next two years. It probably doesn't make sense to actually invest that money, and it'd be best just to keep it in cash in a savings bank. So investing would be for resources that you don't anticipate needing you know, until beyond that 24 month period. Sure. And, and, you know, in, in today's world right now, you know, that savings, you, you can get a return on it. Um, you know, but you still want to be able to get the, the liquid from it. But, you know, when you look at your different types of, of money market instruments, whether it be CDs, treasury bills, you know, you can get the best of both worlds right now in that area. Mm -hmm. So when we say we're not saving and we are investing or something longer term, uh, we're going to start with, again, the, the very basics of, of what we invest in or what you can invest in. And when you look at, at the fundamental uh, basic investment, there's really two categories. Josh, what are those? Those would be stocks and bonds. Stocks and bonds. As, um, as we like to say, are you an owner or a loner? And, and that, that goes back to, to the root. So, uh, Josh, just talk through what does it mean to invest in stock? Yeah, so, and and I've had this conversation with uh, our private clients for years, and I have it with, with younger individuals as well, but when you own a stock, or it can be interchanged with equity, right, which equity is actual ownership, ownership. like you can have equity in your home, but don't ever uh, – dismay that stock, you are the owner of a company. You could own XYZ company that you you see out on the street. You may own one share of it. Although your ownership is extremely small, you are hypothetically a business owner. So that would be the owner side. And the loaner side would be connected to bonds. So once again, we try and explain bonds uh, in very simplistic terms, although they can be very complicated. It is the largest um, market in the world, the bond market. It's huge. Um, but when you look at a bond, think about a bond as you loaning your money to whether it be a corporation, a municipality, uh, agency bonds, all these that you're loaning your money out in turn for a rate of return along with when that bond or loan matures, you get your money back. So very, very simplistic. Mm-hmm. And those, um, when you talk about stocks and, and that being ownership in a company, oftentimes people tend to, to go to, to what's presented to them, which the news would say that's the Dow Jones or the S&P 500. Those are uh, groups of stocks or what we would call indexes that, that gauge or monitor the public stock market as a whole. So when you own shares of a company, um, that could be public or it could be private. So public companies, and, and this is not an endorsement, this is for uh, example purposes only, but that could be McDonald's or Coca-Cola. You can own shares of those companies 
and see exactly how they trade every single day up and down based on a variety of, of influences. Um, we're, we're here in Bowling Green, Kentucky, you know, fairly small town. Um, you can drive down the road and see local businesses and somebody or a group groups of people own those businesses, but those shares, that ownership doesn't trade on the, the exchange or the stock market like other companies. So when you talk about stocks, it doesn't have to be necessarily just publicly traded stocks. A stocks refers to ownership, which can be public or, or private. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So stocks, so ownership versus bonds, which are, which is debt um, that, that companies are taking on, as you said, for a specified period of time uh, for a certain rate. Uh, and then they return that um, money at, at the end of that, that term. So stocks and bonds are the basis for, for any other type of investment vehicle. And over time, as new instruments, we'll say, have been uh, created or added, it's allowed investors to gain access to buy stocks and bonds at lower minimums. So if Josh and I were, were sitting here having this conversation 30 or 40 years ago, you typically had to have a larger sum of money in order to, to buy shares of stock uh, just because of the nature of how the market worked and the, again, the instruments or the, the vehicles that were accessible. Um, with online trading, brokerage firms, um, but also products, there's been, there's been the opportunity to get access to investments at much lower minimums. So beyond stocks and bonds, the next vehicle or product would be mutual funds and ETFs. And, and these are probably the most common uh, vehicles that, that the average investor in your 401k or elsewhere have access to. Um, so Josh, let's, let's talk through mutual funds and ETFs. What do we need to know about those two things? Yeah. So number one, uh, ETFs, or that is an acronym for an exchange traded during the day mm-hmm. fund, uh, and then mutual funds. So ETFs are the uh, younger, uh, I'd say the sibling of, of mutual funds. Mutual funds have been around for a very long time. But when you think about uh, a mutual fund, for instance, all a mutual fund is, is a basket. A woven basket is what I, I tell our private clients. Now, inside that basket, you can have, you can throw your stocks in there. You can throw your bonds in there. You can throw cash, real estate, commodities. It's just a mutual fund is just a container to hold your investments. Now, a mutual fund, too, does not trade during the day. It closes at the end of the day at what we call an NAV. Uh, where an exchange Which stands for what? Net asset value. Um, an exchange-traded fund, on the other hand, is very similar. It is a basket, uh, whether it be stocks or bonds, but it's, it's typically mirrored as an index, Okay. Now, it trades throughout the day, just like a stock does. You can type in uh, an ETF ticker symbol, and you can see it going green and red throughout the day, where a mutual fund simply, they add NAV at the end of the day, and that's the share price for the following day. 
So, so both types of investments, mutual funds and ETFs, they both own underlying investments that, that you may not see unless you look at a fact sheet or a prospectus. So a prospectus is the term that's used for, um, think of it as like the, the guide to, to what a fund is. It goes through all of the details of the company that's packaging it together, um, the, the bands that they use to determine how things get in and out, um, the, the tenure of that, you know, some things about the company. So, um, in the prospectus, it could go through the, the holdings potentially, um, and a number of different things. So, so Josh, why would somebody own mutual funds and ETFs if you can buy stocks and bonds on their own? Yeah. So once again, trying to keep it at a very high level and very simplistic. Um, so you can do one of two things. You can buy a basket of good investments, or you can decide to take your hand uh, and try and pick which ones, number one, are good today, but number two are going to be good three years from now. Now, if you're okay with that, then then sure, that, that, would, that would be your, your choice. Um, or what you can do is you can hire professional money managers that will do that for you. Um, and that's where you get into your mutual fund structure is where you have a group of uh, professional investors called portfolio managers, and they do the work for you. So, so it's, it's an easy way to diversify without going through and making individual selections. Yeah. Instead of owning five, we'll call it five stocks that you know of and you use, you'll own 300 stocks. So yes, total diversification, at least in that specific asset class. Yeah. Okay. Well, the last thing before we've got seven or eight more minutes here um, on, on the, this episode, but the last thing that we wanted to touch on. So we've, we've talked about stocks, bonds, we've taken how, talk about how those can be packaged together in the form of mutual funds and ETFs. And then really the next layer, next thing that you need to know about investing is how do you select those mutual funds or ETFs, or how do you identify different opportunities? And the term that we use and it's using the industries is called asset classes. And that's how you can determine the differences between the mutual funds and ETFs. So, so Josh, talk through, so what's an asset class? So in, in, in an asset class would be, this is, you're going to giggle at me with this, but it's a class of assets. So there's a lot of different types you of assets. You can't use those words in the actual definition. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but really what it is, when you think about an asset class, is you're just taking, okay, so stocks are an asset. Bonds are an asset. Um, real estate is an asset. Um, you know, cryptocurrencies would be an asset. Uh, commodities, you have all these different types of assets. Think about them as ingredients. If you're baking, you have all these separate ingredients. Um, but what happens is, is you look at, say, stocks, for instance. Okay, well, that that is an asset class. But then if you go down one sub-level from that, so you have stocks, okay, well, we have large capitalized companies that are stocks. We have mid-size, small capitalized companies. So you keep breaking this substructure down. And then you say, okay, well, that's U.S. stocks. So let's go 
international stocks, large cap, international mid cap, international small. So there keeps, it keeps getting more and more granular. Yeah. So, so asset class, so stocks, bonds, real estate. So that's, that's at the the highest level. Mm-hmm. So if I understand you correctly, if you were to, to drill down even deeper, it's just the way that you group together, you're grouping together stocks or bonds or those assets um, with assets that are similar in nature or characteristic, whether that's the size of the company. So you mentioned large, medium, small. Mm-hmm. That could be because of a geographic area. So emerging markets, countries like China, India, Brazil, um, developed international, you know, largely Europe, Australia, mm-hmm. U.S. Um, are there any other factors that, that you could characterize a, a stock by? Yeah, uh, you can do, uh, let's see, growth and value and core. So, so yeah, talk, talk through that growth, growth versus value. We, we talk about that quite a bit on our round tables. Uh, that's something that we look at. So talk, talk through growth versus value stocks. Yeah. So growth stocks are exactly what they sound like. So they are uh, companies that are in the business phase of growing. So what does that mean? Uh, typically, there is going to be no dividend or return to shareholders. They're going to retain anything that they have to continue to build the business. This is not a uh, uh, recommendation, but if you think about growth companies and more specifically U.S. growth companies, you would be looking at the likes of Amazon, um, Facebook, Google, Netflix, PayPal. Uh, companies that are growing extremely quickly, right? But they are not paying the owner a dividend for you to hold on to it. So that'd be your growth companies. They are more volatile. I would say there is more risk involved with them, but the long term um, can be more fruitful than the opposite, which would be value companies. Your value companies are typically older companies. More stabilized companies, their cash flows are typically more stable. Earnings are more stable. Um, They also pay a dividend. So they pay you to be an investor or to be an owner of their company. Uh, Some of the likes of a value company would be Procter & Gamble, Johnson & Johnson, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, depending on your flavor. Uh, and so forth. Some of the older companies. Now, what I would say when it comes to growth to value is there is a good balance between each. You don't technically want all growth. You don't technically want all value. It's a good mixture. Once again, the the cooking analogy is you want the right ingredients in there. So, um, and then your core companies is right in the middle. That's typically companies that are growing fairly quickly, uh, but they do also pay a smaller dividend. Um, so it's 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 a hybrid of of growth and value. So the asset class that's just a way we use to identify different types of investments by their characteristic. In client meetings, I like to use the example of of vehicles. Um, you can say that you drive a truck, um, which we'll equate that to a stock, but it's. Um, well, is it a, 
a larger truck, you know, four door, you know, bigger engine, four wheel drive, or is it a smaller, you know, Ford Ranger type truck? You know, what, what colors of the truck, what type of engine doesn't have, you can say you drive a truck, but there's a lot of different, is it Ford, Dodge, Toyota? There's a lot of different ways that you can identify that, uh, vehicle, um, same with stocks, just to say you own stock is somewhat of a blanket term and you have to drill down deeper to better understand and identify what you actually own. So um, we hope that was helpful. So today, again, the point of today's episode is really to, to lay the foundation for investing in the sense of what are the vehicles that are used. Um, in the next episode, we're going to talk through uh, various types of risk, uh, how we diversify, and uh, we're excited to, uh, to dig into that. So uh, we hope this has been helpful and hope that you tune in for part two. This podcast is intended for information and educational purposes only. It is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any security or instrument or to participate in any particular trading strategy. The information is considered to be from reliable resources, but its accuracy is not guaranteed. The opinions expressed are those of the show's host and guest and are not necessarily those of Robert W. Baird & Company, Inc. Baird does not offer tax or legal advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered by Robert W. Baird & Company, Inc., a registered broker, dealer, and investment advisor member, member FINRA and SIPC. Robert W. Baird & Company, Incorporated.